Hello, wild one. Welcome to the Shamanic Tantra Podcast. I'm your host, Holly Taraya, and I'm honored to have you on this journey with me. My intention with this show is to create a sacred space for conversations around all the things I wish I were taught growing up. I'm here to remind you that all of you is sacred. Every emotion, every experience, and every energy that runs through your body and heart is holy. Shamanic Tantra is a path I walk and it's a path of liberation. Freedom that's found deep within the body and deep inside the breath. It's a path of reclamation, of integrating every shade of who you are. The wild, the wonderful, the primal, and the pure. All is welcome here. It's a path of truth, of devotion to the pulsing, quivering truth of this very moment. As that's all there ever is. May we love each other, may we honor each other, and may we celebrate each other as we walk each other home. Aho, and on we go. Welcome to the Shamanic Tantra Podcast. This is your host, Holly Taraya, and today we're joined by a special guest, Sophia Sundari. Sophia is a world-renowned Chantra teacher, author, and transformational facilitator, spiritual mentor, and CEO of her seven-figure brand. She runs online programs and in-person immersions with a focus on empowered living, erotic embodiment, and spiritual refinement. So today in this podcast episode, Sophia and I dive into the topic of erotic embodiment and how it increases your capacity for abundance, abundance in all forms, spiritual, emotional, financial, energetic, all the things. So this is a really powerful episode. I'm really excited to dive in. We're going to cover tantric, you know, basic, simple tantric practices for the modern world. We're going to dive into what erotic embodiment really is and how you can apply it into your life and what abundance really means um, as a devotee to beauty. So I'm really excited to introduce you to Sophia today and let's dive in. So yeah, I would love for you to just share a little bit about that connection between erotic embodiment, really tuning into our sexuality and our practices and how that links to our prosperity and our abundance in life. So you, you want me to just, can I go in? Is yeah, that... we'll just jump right in. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's a really broad uh, invitation. Like I see, I can go <laughs> anywhere. Well, um, you know, what, what really is important to me is that it's, um, uh, I, I walk this path of Tantra, like yourself, and um, to me, this path is so magnificent because it's really suitable for modern day people. So that's why I, I like to call what I do modern Tantra, that's specifically oriented for the needs that we have right now. And that the state in which the world is right now and what is important for us right now and how important it is to express ourselves right now and so what is so beautiful about this path is that it really does not deny any single aspect of humanity and therefore also our remembrance that we are the wealth 
and that we are the love and that we are actually all of the creation it also very naturally gives us the permission and the invitation to explore this realm of uh, wealth and uh, our expansion to true prosperity on all levels because yeah, normally when people hear about wealth and there are so many associations with what it may mean and for a lot of people it's tainted by childhood wounding childhood trauma mm. if we if we've seen people who are considered to be wealthy and they didn't behave in a aligned attuned clear compassionate way then we may absorb that and kind of start to identify wealth with something like that but in uh, the work that I, I do, we really look at the beliefs and we see that beliefs are quite an easy way to understand what's going on for us internally and we can shift things around in order to really come to purity. Mm. And in the pure state, all energy is beautiful. All energy is a way that we can accumulate that and give us a way to accumulate that energy and use that energy for the highest good of all. So in the same way, the energy of money, the energy of wealth can truly serve our expansion in the most magnificent way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that you brought in the piece around the limiting beliefs around money that we can be imprinted with at such a young age. And the same goes for sexuality, right? All the limiting beliefs that we acquire along the way of what it means to be a sexually liberated person, people that misuse their sexual power the same way people misuse their financial power. And and the connection between those two pieces of sexuality and money are so deeply tied, right? With our sacral chakra and the amount of energy that we can move through our body. So uh, how is it that erotic embodiment? So first I'd love for you to share a little bit about what erotic embodiment really means to you. And then start to tie the connection between erotic embodiment and financial financial expansion. Mm. Yeah, uh, erotic embodiment means to me just the connectedness with life. Mm. Uh, I wrote a book called Liberation into Orgasm, and there I go quite deep into the erotic and the orgasm. And to me, ultimate orgasm means a state of union with the divine. That's the ultimate ecstasy, that's the ultimate bliss, and that's the ultimate orgasm. And uh, in our erotic state, we are one with that. We are one with life. We are, we we are like all our bodies are breathing. Our pores are breathing. Our cells are breathing. There's so much pleasure naturally. What happens uh, to people who come into my field and we start to do the work of erotic embodiment? Some of the first comments they make is like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so aroused. What do I do with all this energy?" <laughs> uh, and I say nothing. But we are conditioned to think that, oh, if I'm so buzzing with energy, that means that I'm horny and it means that I need to have sex with someone and it means that I need to do something, I need to release it somehow. But there is such tremendous beauty in just being with it, mm-hmm. just being with it and just experiencing that, yes, I can hold this energy. No, I don't need to release it. Yes, I can just be with it. Yes, it is safe. Yes, I can hold this energy. Yes, I can hold this power. And so in the work of erotic embodiment, we are expanding the capacity to be with power, to be with this erotic connectedness with all of life. And um, that's truly where we find our greatest power, because our greatest power, although we can develop the personal power and uh, emotional intelligence, and there's a lot of beauty in that, 
However, our greatest power is the power of God, is the power of the divine that is constantly flowing through us and through the work of erotic embodiment, we tap into that. Yes. Wow. So, so beautifully said. And I love that you mentioned there that for the for the most part when when we start to cultivate that we feel that we have to sort of spend that energy right or or release it and it's such a powerful practice to learn how to hold it right and so the same goes for for money and abundance right if we gain um financial abundance and wealth there's a desire to want to spend it right away instead of hold it and contain it and let it build interest and let it let it really move us and what would you say is the shift for someone that wants to be that wants to learn how to hold more power through their erotic embodiment through their prosperity what would be the biggest shift that they would need to make in order to have the capacity to hold more power you know paradoxically the biggest shift happens when we recognize that we don't need to hold it mm. that like we can expand in how much is held in our field but we don't need to hold it. On the contrary, we get to be held by it. With mm. that perspective, then we see that it's like, again, we are trying to struggle because we all have this very deep belief that I have to struggle, that somehow life involves struggle, that somehow making money means I have to push, I have to hustle, I have to struggle, I have to do all those things that I don't want to be doing. But actually when we separate ourselves from that and realize that actually there's no effort required effort in the sense how we know effort to be and uh, the greatest work is in that work of being that which you are actually meant to be and letting yourself be held in that then the the game changes perspective <laughs> that's beautiful that's beautiful and it takes the pressure off if, if you embody mm -hmm. that right instead of you holding it knowing that you're actually being held by it that's beautiful mm -hmm. I often find too there's there's a worthiness piece that comes up for us when we're deepening on this path of claiming more erotic embodiments claiming more of our power creating more wealth and success for ourselves we have to believe truly inherently that we deserve it, right? And that we're worthy of it. And so I'd love for you to speak to that if, if that resonates with you at all, like the worthiness piece around the ability to hold and be held by the divine. Yeah, I, oh, self-worth, I think it's just um, kind of very deep, deep, deep place that mm, we don't really uncover to the the complete expanse of it because when we remember our wholeness to remember our complete worth it means again to come back to the divine it means again to to really recognize this immensity that we actually are and that we are not separated from it it is not some kind of external entity but that's who we are and so that's you know, that's the goal of all spiritual practices. That's the goal of all spiritual traditions to remember God, to remember ourselves as God. And um, ultimately, worth means that. Mm. So it's such a deep, deep space, actually. Mm. And then we try to kind of minimize it to a little bit more like a kind of personal development level, where it's like, oh, you know, you just... Or just transcend that believe in yourself or the motivational you know believe in yourself just do it just, just believe in yourself 
it works to a certain extent but ultimately there's just such a depth actually there because this you know worth has like the permission to really be all that we are to really enjoy all that we have to really see that you don't have to be either spiritual or wealthy you can be both you don't have to be either attractive or young you yeah you can be any age and you can be attractive and i know women in their 60s who are turning heads and i know deeply spiritual people who are extremely wealthy and um, i know people who enjoy exquisite luxury and the most extraordinary brands and at the same time they have such generous hearts and they give so much and they just do so much with their money that it does it's like it it blows our minds mm -hmm. so oh uh, yeah like we have to give ourselves permission to really like see that there is a thread for each of us and that's what fascinates me tremendously dharma yeah, this unique thread this unique song that each one of us is meant to sing in this lifetime and then the closer we are to this song the more we remember the the origin of the song and it's like it's also we can see it as a river that always inevitably takes us to the divine to the ocean of existence so it's like the closer we are to our desires and we are not scared of them we're not trying to transcend them but at the same time we really recognize those close desires those desires of the heart not the desires like oh because others are having it like, that's what it's meant to be but that's like really intimate deep desires and then we we follow the thread of like where we are actually pulled, what is actually so attractive to me, what what I actually have always loved. Like the more I see that we are leaning into that, the closer we are to the divine and the, the more expressed we are also. And the more we trust ourselves and the more there is this worthiness and the more there is permission because you understand that it's not separated from your path that your desires, that all these the things that you are kind of debating, can I give myself permission for that or not? The patterns that are coming in, the belief, the limitations that are coming in, it's like all of that is kind of not, not quite giving the space for, for this thread. It's just so unique. So it just takes so much of letting go of other people in our head, <laughs> of all these voices, of all these years, of what others may say, how they can interpret that, and just to find, and that's happened a lot in nature, in stillness, in retreats, where we just give this permission to ourselves to listen, actually listen what's going inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah, listen to the truth, like you said, beyond the conditioning and the societal programming and the trauma and all the chatter that gets in the way of that truth. And I love what you're saying about um, really trusting our desires. And I know a lot of people actually fear their desires. They, they don't have a deep trust with their desires. They have a fear that my desires are going to lead me astray, right? They're actually going to lead me off path. So I'm wondering if you could speak to that a little bit, like how do we develop trust with that desire that's pulsing and moving through our body how do we learn to trust it it takes a certain spiritual maturity i have to say because on a certain level like maybe there's a level where, where we cannot quite trust them because they really come from the mind because they really come from like i remember i wanted to get married and have children when i was 24 and so I really felt like so desperate to, to for that 
I just like I would, would get in a relationship with someone like after the first date I would start thinking if he is a good material <laughs> my husband and to have my babies and, and all those things and then it was actually disconnecting me from the person from myself from everything and then I got married it was quite an intense journey and was, he is a beautiful person so we got married and then about four years into the marriage I realized I never wanted to get married and I actually was not even sure I wanted to have babies. And, and luckily I didn't at that time. And I still don't have children. I, I may still. But at that time where it was coming from, it was not the right place. It was just the conditioning because I was born and grew up in Russia. And for Russian women, it's very different than Western women. Mm -hmm. It's like if by the age of 25, you're not married and you don't have children. There's something fundamentally wrong with you. So I was conditioned by that so deeply. And I made it so important in my life that I completely missed what was actually going on, what was actually true in so many instances. And still in the end, you know, it was a beautiful learning and a beautiful experience. And that marriage really opened lots of doors for me. And that was a beautiful love story. But then at some point when I realized I just never wanted that. <laughs> so and how come the desire was so strong? And how come because the pool, yeah, the karmic pool, the pool of the wounds, the pool of the conditioning is so strong. So, you know, in that case, with that level of maturity that I had back then, maybe it would have been wise not to trust the desires and to question them again. But then with time and with this awareness of dharma, with this awareness of understanding what does intimacy with ourselves really mean? What does it actually mean to be intimate with the core of yourself? How, is the, how does it feel to really switch off all noise around you? How does it feel to even switch off your own noise? And when we spend time in silence, this is when we recognize that there's a lot of noise and it's quite a, quite a battle sometimes over there. And then when we dare to actually even train our mind to also kind of become more and more peaceful and more and more quiet and more and more uh, a friend rather than an enemy who's always chatting there. But uh, yeah, when we find those ways of intimacy with our own selves, this is when I believe we can start trusting our desires mm. and we can also listen to this. Word. Because in true desires, they don't pull. You know, this kind of pull this usually comes from conditioning mm. and the one that the, the real one they're usually really quiet they're just like it's like you could overlook it if you didn't listen deeply enough mm. i love that subtle differentiation there it's like the visual of like it's like a a blooming internally right as opposed to like an external an external pull and um, yeah, so what are some of your favorite ways, Sophia, to create and cultivate that self-intimacy with yourself to create stillness, to become erotically embodied and to really create self-intimacy with yourself? Uh, well, you know, I don't have um, like regular practices because practices are very fashionable also. And although I love to invite people into practice because they can give us a direct experience and i love practices genuinely but i actually don't have anything that is like a routine kind of thing i love to really feel what is what is real where am i at really where is my state right now really and then kind of weave through that because sometimes it may be like you know now i'm starting to get into kite surfing mm. like kind of surfing i just could not it's just too much hard work for me <laughs> 
but tight surfing and it's like and when I'm, I'm getting into it and I'm there with this kite and I'm just starting but still there is this quieting that happens in the mind and I really uh, hear from a lot of uh, people who are like into surfing or into some really sports that are kind of captivating this is also a way to to, to get quiet internally and then dance yeah and being in nature and also my path has always included um long silent meditation retreats like 10 days 17 days when just like i'm in silence for this amount of time and this is always like such a shower of light just to be in that quietness and it's hard work also because i have to really sit with my mind and see what's how can i not identify and keep coming back to the witness but this these are amazing things and then, yeah, the erotic embodiment practices themselves, and these are the, the ones that I just, I, I uh, as much as possible, I am uh, living my life in that state and just moving through life by feeling, by breathing, by constantly having the movement in my life when I'm not letting kind of the stiffness to come in and the disconnection. So these are the these are the things. And uh, I don't know if I mentioned, but being in nature, that's a that's mm -hmm. major one. Mm -hmm. I love seeing all the jungle behind you there. Yes, there's just like blue jays flying. I mean, nature is so erotically embodied, mm -hmm. right? There's so much juice and shakti always moving through her, especially mm -hmm. in places like Costa Rica, jungle. Mm -hmm. You know, there's mm -hmm. so much eros in the air. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so I love this concept of, of self-intimacy leads to inner stillness and silence, which then leads to the knowing of what your dharma and what your desires truly mm -hmm. are. And would you say that, like, what's the link between your dharma and your uh, flow of abundance in life? What would you say is the link between those two pieces, living your dharma, serving your dharma, and then your success and prosperity and abundance? Well, for me personally, it was a very humbling journey because I, for the longest time ever, I used to feel that I was above money because I'm a very good spiritual practitioner, mm -hmm. <laughs> professional seeker. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I also got all the kind of, you know, spiritual sort of dogma of the times, uh, yeah, ideas that money is not part of spirituality somehow yeah somehow this is a very common belief <clears throat> which is of course like i also understand it because it's kind of slippery slope and also what you said in the beginning how it's so it's so connected to sexuality because sexuality is also a slippery slope we can easily get indulged and get lost and constant desire and desire for more and more sex for different different partners and so on and so forth and money also has this tendency yeah it can pull us but still in tantra in this magnificent pathway saying okay it's a slippery slope I, I assume i may fall but i still have to go there mm -hmm. and so for me for a long time even i did not admit that i had a business although i clearly had a business and uh, my business started uh, like my first like paid classes i was giving in 2013 so now 2000 12 actually so it's already 11 years now and still I was not quite until 2015 
and even more so beginning of 2016, that I couldn't quite accept that it was a business. And I was still like, oh, it's just you no know, expression of my heart. It's just a beautiful thing to do. And like, yeah, of course, people pay because, you know, I need to get there. I need to pay my tickets. I need to pay the accommodation. Blah, blah, blah. But I didn't see it as a business. And I, for a long time, I just did not want to be involved with that. And then at some point, it really landed for me. Once I understood the Dharma, that it's not just um, just expression of my heart, just like a beautiful time that I'm spending there with women in my retreats and stuff like this. Actually, it's actually my Dharma. It's actually my way to talk to the divine. It's actually my prayer. It's actually my purpose. It's actually why I came here for. Then lots of things started changing for me. And then I understood eventually that not owning the fact that I actually had a business was a disservice because business is also a portal. Business is also a conduit. And through business, we can also do great things. We can get established and profound standards of the business. We can give jobs to brilliant people. We can really make an impact. We can scale. We can generate wealth. We can use this wealth in, in beautiful ways that are really supporting the evolution of humanity. Like there is just so much there. And um, it's it's a very grounded concept, obviously. So for uh, someone like me who naturally likes to dwell in the space and you know in the in the flow and in the in this kind of not so earthly realms, it was very difficult, very painful in many ways experience. It was a lot of lessons, like how to really get grounded. Because yeah. if someone would have told me you're gonna be running a multiple seven-figure business in like some year, like even even like three years, maybe like five years ago someone I would say like you are cuckoo like, it's really <laughs> impossible that I will get so grounded that I will have a solid team and employees and people in the right places and regular things and oh my god I would say you're kidding me it's not what I'm built for I it's like I, I am out and somehow you know with this uh with, with a lot of humbleness I found the way that it works and that I actually don't even have like a I don't have to because for me like the worst is a routine like I cannot do routine I cannot do the same thing every day or even every week but I still I created it in my business that it works without even me doing those things regularly but I have the team who love to do it and uh, the right people in the right places and it all came together through a lot of trial and error but still uh, I'm really really proud of where we are right now and so I think I thought I went quite far from your question <laughs> but um you wanted you asked about like how how does the um, remind me how does the financial prosperity links into this yeah. yeah just sort of the connection between your your dark one's dharma ah, yes. and mm -hmm. the opportunities and the openness and expansiveness that that mm -hmm. provides for them once they really commit mm -hmm. to the dharma and, and say like this is actually my song this is what i came mm -hmm. here to do and this is how i speak to the divine so mm -hmm. i love that you shared that there was a resistance for you originally right of this uh -huh. isn't necessarily a business this is just for my own heart and, and sharing and then really it sounds like once you anchored it in and grounded it in and created that structure and and really owned it as your dharma that's when lots of possibility began to open up for you Mm -hmm. exactly yeah and i really saw that it it it, it was a big disservice disservice not to do it and then uh, now with me like claiming the space and inviting all this wealth and 
and expanding it and actually actively scaling my business like i see that there's just so much beauty that's created through this that there are so many women who want to do something similar but they don't give themselves permission to do that because they think it's impossible to be so deeply spiritual and wealthy although there is something in them really wanted and then maybe they feel even ashamed or guilty that they want it and they think it's a desire that comes from some inferior parts of themselves mm-hmm. but then they see me and they resonate with what I'm saying and, and how I'm being and how I am showing up and then they're like oh wow so like there's a big big impact that's happening through me claiming that and then I believe that's that's the truth for every one of us like when we really claim what we came here to be and how in our own unique way we express and what gets to be a part of our dharma and if money gets to be a, a part of our dharma because for some people it is for other people it's not well, if you're listening to this episode, possibly yeah, it is for you. And th- th- this is also something to respect. It's also something to accept that, yeah, well, maybe it doesn't, like it's not something we learn traditionally, that that's that can be in like such a, such a sacred, that can be part of the sacred path. But then like you listen to your soul and you hear it and then you see, yes. And then once you own it, it's amazing how doors start opening. Mm. This is how you know, you know, that the doors just start opening. Yeah. And then it's like, as if the angels around you are like, finally, thanks. <laughs> yes, we've been waiting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this is such a beautiful reminder. And I love that what you're saying, just for you being an embodiment of both deeply, deeply spiritual and expansive and prosperity allows people to re-imprint their belief system around it right because mm-hmm. you're a living example of both sides of the spectrum and coming into mm-hmm. right relationship with both and you know this piece too around you know so many people are focused on on upper like manifestation and, and visualization and sort of the more upper quantum realms of of connecting to their dharma and to their truth and their prosperity i also love what you're saying as well about the groundedness that's required, right? The rootedness, the embodiment to really be able to hold and be held by your mm-hmm. dharma. So I love that you're bringing both of those pieces into the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for acknowledging that. It's true that we can easily get lost in the realm of ideas and in the realm of, yeah, just kind of here and in the upper chakras. And again, it's like a bit of an the the church kind of conditioning yeah just kind of from here this is holy down there this is dirty that's we are we want to find wholeness so we get to include all parts of ourselves and i find that um actually it's like i love the image of a lotus flower and it has such strong roots and that's why it's so beautifully blossoming here at the level of the crown Right. Yeah, the rootedness. That's one of the things I love so much about Tantra is it focuses so much on the dissension instead mm-hmm. of just bypassing that and going straight to the straight to the the crown. It like really focuses on the humanity of us, the earthly realm, like you said, this this beautiful mm-hmm. 3D world that we live in. So I'm curious to hear from you, Sophia. What are some of the ways that um what are some of the ways that we suppress our eros that we maybe deny it or suppress it or numb it out what are some common ways that we do that oh just like modern life i think it's really designed like that 
even the way that cities are built and if we don't have awareness and we don't spend enough time in nature and with trees and so on it's just we live so far away from the earth from that actually which gives us the nourishment which actually reminds us of this intrinsic interconnectedness so really modern life you know also just the way we we dress and uh, the whole kind of boom around plastic surgery and uh, cosmetic uh, procedures and stuff like this where so often we block energetic channels and without any awareness of that and just pretty much yeah most of the modern things unfortunately yeah it's like there are lots of beautiful things with the progress of technology but also a lot of things that they are done without awareness and they are actually damaging and disconnecting us and yeah a lot yeah yeah we're losing the power and the true potential of what we can create mm-hmm. yeah and then like you said in the beginning what you're really teaching is is tantra for the modern world right like so we don't have to live in the jungle or live on a mountaintop or you know be in these specific environments we can utilize tantric tools and embodiment practices to come back to that erotic aliveness and Mm -hmm. what would you say for the modern woman modern modern man what are some core tantric practices or simple tools that people can use to embody more of their eros embody more of their aliveness and and really begin to awaken breath yeah, first of all, so simple, mm-hmm. so intimate, just like noticing our breath and also awareness, yeah, really training the awareness to be in the moment, like when we are doing the dishes, like to really be with the dishes, if you ever do dishes, or at least when you wash your hands, yeah, you wash your hands, like bring yourself into this moment and feel the pleasure because there's so much pleasure that we normally are not aware of like the pleasure of your the fabric of your clothes touching your skin or just your touch like bringing also the breath like the breath is just such an erotic thing actually just the way it is there's like the air that penetrates your nostrils like there's so much sexuality actually right there and um yeah, there's, there's a tremendous amount of poetry and beauty in in life that we can recognize in every moment. And I think that I love to um, to invite people, especially those who have this devotional, natural devotional qualities, to recognize beauty. Mm. To recognize beauty in like as many things as possible, like throughout your day, like make yourself a devotee of beauty. Mm. So like not don't just like look at the flower but like look at the flower like meet the flower don't just look at the people and just kind of scan them briefly but like look and absorb the beauty the the light of the divine that's shining through them and uh, like this and everything uh, from pets to children to beautiful things and uh, art we can see so much beauty all around us and we can be in this breath with it in the, letting it remind us to take a deeper breath to come into deeper aliveness in ourselves so these are just really simple things that you know every single day we get to do but then of course like some things that are, that just take a little bit more effort where there is there are practices like where you literally can go in for 10 20 minutes and focus on the body on the breath on the movement um in a specific way 
yeah, not the kind of normal standard kind of workout routine, which is not or usually not usually connecting people to the body in this kind of profound way. But there are like embodiment, erotic embodiment practices. I love to lead those and yeah, those kind of uh, approaches are really, really beautiful in for whatever kind of lifestyle they work. And then spending time in nature as much as possible. Even for us, if we live in the cities, this is just so important to find time just to get out. And this, and this is what recharges us. I notice for myself, I'm spending a lot of time in the city, although I love lots of elements of the city. I live in Lisbon. And um, something in me like just gets really satisfied with the city, which I was missing, for example, when I was in Costa Rica. I was like... That's not a thing, but that city just, you know, I have this little fancy part of me. Like, it also wants to be satisfied. It also <laughs> feels like a bit abandoned. So there is a part of me that's really getting fulfilled in the city, but then also in nature. I also have a part of me that just loves to be wild and run free, uh, be in the forest, in the ocean, stuff like that. So yeah, all of that returns us back home. It's that polarity, right? It's that tantric polarity of and like you can be nourished by the city and come to Costa Rica and have your immersions here. And, you know, it's 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 satisfying and meeting that self-intimacy, meeting all parts of yourself and giving them room mm. to play and room to breathe. And I really love what you're saying about um, being a devotee of beauty, right? Mm -hmm. And noticing the beauty in every moment. And to me, that's really what abundance is, right? Mm -hmm. It's noticing that it's actually, we already are abundant, right? We have everything we need around us. And are we open and willing to receive it in each moment? So that's really what I'm hearing you say is like the ability to receive the beauty that's already here mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I love that. Devotee of beauty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mm, and everything that you shared too, these are, you know, breathing, looking at nature, you know, noticing the beauty, being, being in the present moment. These are all things that we can do at any moment, right? We don't have to go somewhere to, to experience this or, you know, go, go to a land far away or, or even go to a gym or a yoga studio to experience this. This is a, available. These levels of embodiment are available literally in every moment. So accessible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. so is there anything else that you're feeling called to share around this topic Sophia of, of erotic embodiment and um, increasing our ability to be abundant in life um well uh, uh I'm just having this memory of uh, first time meeting you <laughs> so I'll just speak to that because as we're speaking about all the ways like how we can embody our eroticism and so on. I think what's really inspiring is actually when it's seen, you know, when the work is seen through someone, because oftentimes I meet people who just say, well, I've done so much work. I've done so much work. It's such a common phrase. I've done so much work, so many years. I've done the trauma therapy. I am a trauma therapist, da, 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 20 years, this and that. Mm -hmm. And to me, this doesn't mean all that much in these days. But what to me means a lot is when I meet a person and I feel their energy and I feel their work and I feel their vibration and so I remember meeting you for the first time we didn't talk then but it was an, an ecstatic dance in one of those open uh, studios um, I think in uh, oh my gosh what's it called that a Sunday dance 
Sorry? Was that Sarah Blue or was it at um, no. um, Amber Ryan's dance? Yes, at Amber Ryan's. And I just remember you walking in and I just, like, I didn't see even you, but I just, I was like, there's something there. Mm -hmm. I just remember energetically, I was attracted to this energy that just walked into the space. And then I saw this beautiful woman, expressive, dancing so freely. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is my sister. <laughs> and then it's like, uh, you know, it, it's it, it's tangible. And like, you don't even need to do anything. You don't need to, you even need to say anything. You just are. And then you are so visible and you're so radiant. And that's just so healing for everyone around whether they notice it directly specifically like I can see because I can see and recognize but other people even if they don't put such words on it they also get nurtured by this nectar mm. so that puts you know erotic embodiment in action <laughs> yeah yeah thank you thank you for seeing me and thank you for that acknowledgement and the nectar I love that's one of my favorite words just hearing ah. the nectar just like ah oh. So it's yeah. so juicy and yeah, it's a transmission, right? Mm -hmm. um, being embodied, being in flow with your own erotic energy and also the Eros and the Tao and life all around you. It's, it's a, it's a transmission and you can feel it in yourself. You can feel it in others and you can see it's actually all around us. Right. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, when we, um, when we walk into a space or when we walk into nature, you know, that's really the teaching, isn't it? To be receptive to the transmission of Eros that's all around us already and to our own Eros that wants mm -hmm. to move through our bodies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love ecstatic dance for that reason because there's no wrong way to do it. You know, there's no mm -hmm. steps. It's just, just literally surrendering to the pulse of the moment mm -hmm. and just letting it move you. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing so much wisdom today and for being such a teacher in this world of, of Tantra and beauty and the modern, the modern way of really allowing these teachings to be accessible. Because I know for so many people out there, Tantra, when they hear Tantra, they think, oh, it's like this far out, like mystical, esoteric teaching that, that that's not accessible to me. So I think it's really beautiful when we meet teachers that are allowing us to realize that it's it's just life, isn't it? Tantra is life. It's, it's that intimacy with life. So thank you for the work that you're doing in this world, Sophia. Mm, thank you so much for the acknowledgement. And I know you've got your unguarded heart um, experience coming up next week. I will be attending. I'm really excited to attend that. I'd love for you to share a little bit about that so our listeners can go ahead and sign up for that. Oh, I love that you're a part of it. Yes, we are starting on the 12th on Monday. It goes for four days live and then the, the recordings will be available as well. And um, uh, yeah, the journey is really for women to tap into this place of feminine fullness and how we get to live and love and lead from the place of feminine fullness. It will be quite a bit practice-oriented. So actually the things we touched on, the erotic embodiment practice, the feminine embodiment, I will be actually guiding in this masterclass because I love to give people direct experience and not just theory and not just talk, although also a transmission can happen through, through voice and through talking. But in this particular masterclass, I really want to make it um, focused on practice, especially in the first days. So it's an exquisite journey and um, I'd love to have you. Yeah, super excited. And it's for it's one hour per day for four days, right? 
in the first three days, we will have about 45 minutes, actually. And then the last day, we will have a bit of a longer, probably like 90 minute session. Okay, beautiful. So we'll leave the links to that below. That starts next week. Um, and is there anything else you want to share? Any other programs or experiences or anything else coming up that you want to share? I think this is a perfect intro into my field and uh, it's free and it's really accessible. It's, it works for all levels where people are at. So I think this is perfect. And then afterwards, I have a beautiful program coming up that's called Deep Feminine, which is like my signature program, which is a very deep work on feminine erotic embodiment and tantric sexuality. Mm -hmm. so that's an exquisite way to plug in as well for those who already have some experience and want to go deeper. Yeah. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, I'll leave all the links for those below and I'm excited to join the Unguarded Heart next week. And yeah, thank you again, Sophia, for your beauty. Thank you for being a devotee to beauty and to love and um, to spirit. Thank you for your teachings and thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure to connect with you. Mm. Mwah, ciao. Sending you pura vida. <laughs> thank you. You're here with a mission to inspire and impact many through your purpose. I'm here to support your mission by sharing the tools, practices, and teachings of Tantra, empowering you to become empowered by pleasure as you light up the world with your love and service. Serve from overflow. This is the new paradigm way of the embodied feminine leader, and I am honored to teach you how. I'm here to help you gently release any and all things within your being that are out of alignment and no longer true, so you can create space for all your desires to enter your life. No more sacrificing yourself for service. No more putting pleasure, rest, and celebration at the bottom of the pile. It's time to let your feminine essence and primal sensual power become your new fuel source. It's time to come fully alive. Your Tantric Awakening awaits. Join me for Tantric Awakening, a three or six month mentorship for women to return to the throne of your body and become fully alive. Click the link below and visit hollytaraya.com slash mentorship to begin your Tantric Awakening journey today. Thank you for joining me today on the Shamanic Tantra podcast. To dive deeper on your Tantra journey, visit my website at hollytaraya.com for my online courses, books, private mentorships, and group coaching programs. Please subscribe to this podcast and share this episode with your friends. May you live in truth, beauty, and freedom. Love, Holly Taraya.